The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Anybody wearing their one pin this morning? Anybody got their one lapel pin? One person, oh, a couple people. Okay, great. Uh, if you didn't get one of these little lapel pins last week, you can pick one up on the in the welcome center at the kiosk on your way out. It's just a, a little free gift from our church to you, uh, really just to serve as a reminder about the power of one. Uh, what a difference an invitation can make. What a difference uh, it can make in somebody's life by uh, just simply inviting someone to church. You know, the two people that gave their life to Christ last week. Uh, one was a student uh, that was invited by a friend. And then that student who invited her was also invited by a friend. And then uh, the other person who gave their life to Christ was a a dad, a husband. And uh, their family was invited to Coastal uh, to the last egg drop that we did like four years ago. And uh, so again, you never know uh, the power of an invitation, the power of one. And we all have people in our lives that we're praying for and reaching out to that, uh, that one. Uh, so if you didn't get one of these, you can pick one up uh, on your way out this morning in the welcome center. I think there's a little basket of them in there. And they're, they're uh, pinned to our, our little invest and invite card. Who's in your wallet? Who are the people uh, that you're praying for and reaching out to? How, how many of you have ever fallen prey uh, to when and then thinking? When and then. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's, the, uh, it's that, that mindset of, you know, we, we start thinking that, you know, life's got to be perfect <clears throat> in order to be happy. You know, when this happens or that happens, then I will be happy. You know, it's stuff like, you know, when I get a man, uh, when I get a girlfriend, uh, then my life will be complete. You know, when when my boyfriend mans up and gives me a ring or, um, you know, when we finally set that date, then my parents will get off my back and, and life will be so much better. Uh, and then it continues, you know, when I get pregnant, uh, when I stop being so nauseous, when my, ch- my child stops teething, uh, when they get out of diapers, when they finally go off to school, when they're no longer teenagers, when they're out of the house, then... And then we will finally be happy. Uh, when I get a new job, a bigger house, a better car. You, you get the idea, right? Uh, we all fall prey to that from time to time, when and then thinking. But the, the, the reality is, if you're ever going to experience joy, you got to learn to be joy, joyful uh, in the moment. You know, in the different experiences of life and in all kinds of problems. And uh, here in this little letter of Philippians, the Apostle Paul shows us what that looks like. Uh, Because if there's anybody who knows what it's like to have joy in the midst of uh, painful circumstances, uh, it's it's this guy. Uh, He was falsely imprisoned uh, for two years in Caesarea on a trumped-up charge. And then, then he's put on a ship to go to Rome to appear before Nero. Uh, who's not exactly known for his uh, niceties toward uh, believers. Uh, On the way, he's shipwrecked, he's stranded on an island, he's bitten by a poisonous snake, Uh, he wastes the winter there, picks up, is taken uh, taken to Rome, and he spends another two years in prison awaiting trial uh, to be executed. And uh, and then during this two-year period in Rome, he is chained to a guard, 24 hours a day, absolutely no privacy. Every four hours, he gets a new guard. I mean, you know, we talk about having a bad hair day, right? 
You know, things not going our way. Well, if there was, any, if there was ever a person who had reason, you know, to have one ginormous pity party, uh, it really was the Apostle Paul during this time of his life. And yet, in, in the midst of all of these terrible circumstances, he says this in Philippians 1.18, yes, I will continue to rejoice. So my question is, my thought is, Paul, what is your secret? You know, how in the world is that possible? How do you stay positive in prison? How do you delight in all of these difficulties that you face? How do you stay so joyful in spite of the fact that, you know, things have not exactly turned out the way you planned it? Well, in, in this little passage of Scripture, in Philippians chapter 1, I think he gives us some secrets that can apply to our lives today. How, you know, how to be joyful no matter what, in the midst of pain, in the midst of problems and terrible circumstances. Well, let's look at four secrets to that process. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you want to be joyful no matter what, you need to get a new point of view, a new point of view, a new perspective. See, everybody in this room, we all have problems. You, you brought them in here with you uh, today, and and I would suggest that your problems aren't as important as how you look at those problems. Your point of view, your perspective makes all the difference. Paul says, here's my perspective. Okay, verse 12, L listen to this. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, all that stuff that I just talked about, that what has happened to me has really served to what? What does he say? It served to advance the gospel. Basically, he's saying, you know what? I can see the best even in the worst. I know that God is still working in, even in my problems, even when things don't go the way I planned them, my way. And despite all of it, despite all the stuff that's happened to me, he says, you know what? The gospel is being advanced. People are getting saved. Other believers are being uh, encouraged and strengthened. And then verse 13, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everybody else, listen to this, I love this phrase, that I am in chains for Christ. Now, you need to know that, that Paul always wanted to go to Rome, but his idea, his plan was, you know, go to Rome, you know, rent the Colosseum, hold a crusade, big evangelist, you know, kind of a thing. But God had other plans, God, God's idea was to put him in prison where he'd have the time to write most of the New Testament. And notice it says here that he's chained to the palace guard. The praetorian guard, they, they were the elite troops of the Roman Empire, chosen by Caesar. They were his bodyguards and, and, and the highest paid people in the empire. In fact, when these, when these men retired after 12 years, they were made leaders in Rome. There really could not have been a more strategic group of people that Paul could have witnessed to if he were planning to reach the entire Roman Empire. And so God puts Paul in Rome, but he lets Nero foot the bill, and he chains him to a future leader of Rome every four hours. Let me ask you, who was the real prisoner? You know, I figured out that in two years with four-hour shifts, Paul had 
4,380 opportunities to witness to the guards and future leaders of Rome. I mean, you think about that. I mean, again, this wasn't his plan. It wasn't his idea. But they watch him write the New Testament. They, they watch him pray without ceasing. And the Bible says that these, these guys had an inside track to the emperor. In fact, later on in Philippians, in chapter 4, we find out that some of Nero's family became believers. In fact, history tells us that Nero had his wife, his mother, and children all killed because they became believers. And here's Paul. He basically says, you know what? Hey, I'm in prison. But so what? Unbelievers are finding out about finding out about the gospel. And then in verse 14 he says, because of my chains, because I'm in prison, most of the brothers in the Lord, they've been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously, more fearlessly. He's saying, you know what? My attitude, my outlook, my perspective toward my problems has encouraged other people. And now because of that, other people are becoming a little bit more bold and courageous in sharing the gospel. Courage is contagious. Now, here's the point of view. Here's the perspective we've got to have if we're ever going to have lasting joy in our lives. Write this down. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. In other words, listen, if we follow God, if we allow him, God has this amazing, miraculous ability to bring something good, even from our problems, even from our pain. Now, when you get that point of view, when that's your perspective, I'm telling you, you're on the way to joyful living. So you need a new point of view. Number two, we also need a new priority. A new priority. In other words, you know, when things get tough and we're scrambling, you, you really need to know what's important. You gotta distinguish between, you know, the trivial and the significant. Sometimes you even have to distinguish between the good, you know, and the very best because the fact is, everybody in this room, you're all going to live your life either based on you know, problems and pressures or your priorities. And because of that, either you're going to decide what's important in your life or you're just going to be letting other people decide what's important in your life. And so if you don't, from the outset, choose your priorities... You know what's going to happen? You're going to run around just putting out fire after fire, problem after problem. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be moving from pressure to pressure rather than saying, these are my priorities. This is what's important in my life. Um, you can read the rest of this for yourself, but in verses like 15 through 17 and following, uh, Paul basically lets us take a look at this little debate he has going on in his mind. He basically says, you know, not only am I here in prison, but if you want to kick a man, you know, when he's down, there's these guys out there that are attacking me. 
You know, they're, they're jealous, they're envious, and they're criticizing me while I'm here in prison. In fact, some of them are even, you know, preaching the good news for their own selfish gain. We never see that today, right? That's not, that's not a thing, right? Okay? Now, if you want something to steal your joy, somebody to steal your joy quicker than anything else, you just let people start criticizing you when you're already down. And then you let them put a bad name on the good that you're trying to accomplish. And that's what was happening to Paul. And yet Paul says this in verse 18. He says, listen to this, you ready? Hey, but what does it matter? The important thing, the priority, he says, is that in every way, whether, you know, from false motives or true, Christ is being preached. And because of this, I what? What does he say? I rejoice. What's he saying? Paul's saying, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to let anybody take my joy. I don't have time to mess with critics. You know, they're more important things. And you know what? So what? Their motives might be wrong. You know, they might be doing it for selfish gain. Uh, their style might be different than mine. But the reality is the message is getting out. So what? But what does it matter, he says? That's the only question in, in, in the book of Philippians. And it's a question of priority. He's saying, listen, I got my priorities. I got my values. I'm not going to let the little things get in the way. I'm not going to let other people uh, steal my joy. Let me ask you a question. How many arguments have you had in your marriage that are over little things that really don't matter? You know, how many of you every Sunday after church, where are we going for dinner? I don't know. Where do you want for dinner? I don't know. You know, <laughs> just snowballs, right? You know? I mean, is it worth losing your joy over you know, in other words, know the priorities, know what's important. Paul's basically saying, listen, I don't care about the non-essentials in life. You know, these people, they actually might be preaching, you know, differently than me, and they might even have different motives than I have. He basically says, you know what, God's going to take care of that. You know, it's in his hands. You know, as long as God's word is getting out, you know, I'm going to be thankful, and I'm going to pray for other churches, and I'm going to encourage them. Now, what's the application for us today? What's the lesson for us? The lesson is, Focus on what really counts. Set your priorities in advance. You know, I, I heard somebody once tell me, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Focus on that. You know, what, what are some main things in life? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will direct your paths. That's the main thing. You put God first. Matthew 6, Jesus said, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things are going to be added to you. In fact, he's basically saying, hey, stop worrying about all the day-to-day all the -day stuff. Put God first. Set your priorities in advance. So, if we're going to learn to have joy in, in, midst, in the midst of just chaos, you've got to learn to be joyful in life in spite of your problems. We need a perspective, a new perspective, a new point of view to live from. In other words, God has a purpose behind my problems. We need a new priority to live by. In other words, just focus on what really counts. Don't get distracted from the trivial. And then number three, sometimes we need a new power, a new power. I need, I need a strength to make it, to keep going. 
Friends, life can wear you out sometimes, can't it? I mean, it, it, it can. Uh, a man went to see his doctor, and uh, the doctor told him, uh, you got six months to live. And uh, the man was totally devastated. He's like, Doc, you know, is there anything I can do? I mean, tell me, I will, I will literally do anything you say. And the doctor said, well, there is one thing. And uh, the man said, there, there is? I mean, what is it? Tell me, I will do it. And the doctor said, well, my wife's sister is a widow, and she's got six children. I'd recommend you call her up and you ask her to marry you. And the guy was like, Doc, I mean, is that going to make me live any longer? And he said, no, but believe me, it'll make it seem a lot longer, a whole lot longer. Ever feel that way? I mean, ever feel like you just, I mean, that life is just something to be endured? You know, you're just tolerating life to the bitter end. Um, The fact is, crisis after crisis, after problem, after fire, uh, it can really drain you. And you lose your strength and your energy. And, uh, you know, some of you came here this morning. In fact, you feel like you're ready to throw in the towel. You know, you're ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel on your marriage. You're ready to throw in the towel on your career, um, on your kids. I mean, some of you, it's, it's even worse than that. You're ready just to throw in the towel on life. And you're like, man, you know, I've done the best I can, and it's still just not good enough. And you're tired, and you're sick, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Look what Paul said in verses 19 through 20. Yes, And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that in no way, that I in no way will be ashamed. You know, it's interesting there. Paul basically says that, you know, I got two things that give me strength, that keep me going in spite of you know, four years now of just terrible circumstances, of imprisonment, of beating, of, you know, being, you know, stranded on an island. I mean, on and on and on. Number one, he says, the prayers of other people. You know, that's why this is so important, by the way. You know, no, church is not something that you simply... Uh, belong to, you know, or go to. Church is not just something you attend. It's something that you're connected to, that you really do belong to, that it's a, that it's a family. And we need each other. It's not about church attendance. This is about, you know, the body of Christ. You know, just knowing that you've got people who love you, that you're in community with, and you're praying for them, and they're praying for you. And Paul says, I need that. That's kept me going. And then secondly, he says, the help of the Spirit of Christ. He said, 
I can't depend on my own energy to make it. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough power. He says, but I've got other people praying for me, and I've got the help, the very help of the Holy Spirit of God. He says, I eagerly expect, I eagerly hope. Listen, you can't live without hope. You've got to have hope to cope in this world. There was a study done by Cornell University of 25,000 POWs from World War II. And what they discovered is that man can handle tremendous amounts of stress, stress and pressure, even more than what you think is humanly possible, as long as they have one thing, hope. And the moment you lose hope, the moment hope is gone, you're doomed. Let me ask you, where do you get your hope to keep Keep it on. Where do you get your strength and your hope to stay true to your marriage? Where, where do you get it to hang in there, you know, day in and day out? You say, well, you know, Pastor Chris, I just pull myself up by my bootstraps and I just put my hope in myself. Man, I don't know about you, but I know about me and I know I'm, I'm not always strong enough. You know, what's God's answer to this, this personal power crisis, this personal energy crisis. Look at Philippians 4.13. You know this verse. Some of you have memorized it. On the screen it says, for I can do some things with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. You knew I was going to do that, didn't you? It, it doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? For I can do what? Say it out loud. For I can do what? Everything. I can do everything. Let me ask you, does that include financial problems? Yes. Everything. Does that include marriage problems? Yes. Does that include sobriety? You bet. Does that include, you know, everything, it, every kind of problem, every kind of situation? That's the lesson. Here it is. With God's power, nothing can devastate me. With God's strength, with God's power, for I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength that I need. Number four. To have joy no matter what, you've got to find a new purpose in life. You need a new purpose. Paul is old. He's tired. He's been in prison now for four years. They've taken away every single thing from him that you can humanly take away from him. His friends, his ministry, his freedom, his privacy. But there's one thing that cannot be taken away from him. And that's his purpose for living. Look at verse 21. In fact, I want you to read this out loud with me. Impress our guests with your reading ability. It's a really short verse. Here we go. Let's read it out loud. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That was pretty good, but we can do better. Let's read it one more time. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, you need to know something. Paul's not suicidal here, Okay? He's just basically saying, you know what? Hey, I'm not afraid of dying. Man, I know the Lord. He's a friend of mine. Death is just a promotion. Death is just a transfer. I, I get out of this rotten prison. I, I go on to better things. To die is gain. I get to be with Jesus. But as long as I'm alive, man, I got a purpose for living. For to me, to live is Christ. 
Now, I got a question for all of us. How would you fill in that blank? For me, to live is, how would you fill it in? How are you filling it in? I mean, a lot of people today would say, well, for me, to live is stuff, you know, possessions, you know, you know, get, 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 you know, buy this thing, buy that thing, you'll have ultimate happiness and total bliss. You know, the reason my life is so miserable is I don't drive that new car yet, or I, you know, my house is too small. You know, it's this idea that you can purchase happiness. You know, I've said it many times, we, today we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. You know, they don't like you. You know, th- that's not the answer. Other people would say, well, for, to, you know, to, for me, you know, to live is, is pleasure. You know, if it feels good, what? Do it. You know, I mean, anything or anyone to relieve the boredom in my life. And then every weekend in Charleston, even in Charleston, you know, we got the great escape, you know, go to the beach, go fishing, go skiing, go to the races, get away to the mountains, anywhere, anything, or anyone to fill that hole in our heart, to relieve that boredom just for one moment. But then Monday rolls around, and you're back to work, back to life, and life stinks. Because pleasure doesn't last. You know, a lot of people would fill in the blank this way. Well, for me, to live is position or, or status or power. You know, um, I remember when my kids were just little and learning to ride their bikes. Um, I'd take them outside, and, and uh, they'd, they'd be riding, and they would constantly say this. You've all heard this. Watch me, Daddy. Watch me. Right? Watch me, Daddy. Watch me. And yet I see adults saying that all the time today. Watch me. Watch me. See the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the, the house I live in, the things I buy. Watch me. How do I, how do I look to other people? Man, that's a lousy reason for living. Problem with all that, you know, stuff, possessions, pleasure, power, they don't last. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't last a lifetime, much less on into eternity. And there's not ultimate fulfillment. I mean, if, if that were really true, then then we, don't, we all know that then the people who have the most, do the most, and who know the most people, they'd all be the happiest in life. That's not true. Paul had a different purpose. He looked at things in light of eternity. Look what he said, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Forgetting what is behind, that's his past, and straining toward what's ahead, That's my future. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. William James said it like this, the best use of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. You know, I'm I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, honestly, not because I'm afraid I'm gonna die tonight but because I gotta live today. Even if there weren't a heaven, even if there weren't a heaven, it'd be worth becoming a believer just for the joy here today on this earth. 
But the fact is, only a fool would go all through life unprepared for something that we all know is eventually going to happen. And that is death. You know, we talk about people having terminal illnesses. I'll let you in on a little secret. Everybody in this room, you all have a terminal illness. We're all going to die. Now, let me ask you a question. Why then does God leave you on this earth after you become a Christian? I mean, you know, why doesn't he just zap you at that, po- at that moment, at that point, and just take you on up into glory? You know, so that you can sin? No. In fact, in Romans it says, what shall we say then? You know, should, uh, should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound more and more? No. He leaves us here, get this, for the benefit of other people. To tell other people who don't know the Lord the good news. You know, to love, to share, to to encourage one another for for the one. You know, in the the next few verses, here's this battle that's going on in Paul's mind. He he basically says, you know, I'm torn. You know, I really am. You know, I'm, I'm torn between the two, whether just to go ahead and kick the bucket and go ahead and die and be with Jesus, which obviously is better, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do that instead of just rot here in this prison. But I'm convinced of this. If I stay here, God's got a purpose in my life for you. You know, I'm convinced that so many people today are so unhappy and discouraged and maybe even depressed because, you know, in our world right now, there's, there's just this total preoccupation with self. You know, it's all about me. What's in it for me? What's best for me? What will make me happy? Man, when, when you learn that you got a greater purpose in life than just yourself, when you realize that you go to work not to earn a paycheck, but you go to work for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you work unto him, and God's got you right where he wants you for a reason. When you realize you have a greater purpose where, where you live, where you work, where you play, man, you can, you, can, you can handle anything. And then all of a sudden, man, from, from, the, from, from within, from a, a work of God, you have more joy than you can handle when you realize your purpose. And so many people today are giving, you know, first-class allegiance to second-class causes. And those causes end up betraying them. And, And man, they climb the ladder. They climb the ladder. And then they get to the top and they discover, man, this ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. And they look around and they go, man, is this all there is? I gave my life for this? How would you complete that sentence? For me, to live is, I would suggest there's only one right answer to fill that blank. There's only one answer that's going to last years from now and on into eternity. 
for me to live as Christ, to live as Jesus. Man, what am I talking about? I'm, I'm talking about having a personal relationship with the one who made you and then living for him. God made you for a purpose, man. You're not here by accident. You're not here just to take up space. And then when you discover that, when you discover that purpose and you get right in the center of it, man, it fits and then it fills your life with joy. How about it? You're living with joy no matter what? How would you feel that blank this morning? For me, to live as Jesus. And then one day when you die, man, it's just graduation. It's gain. Are you here today? Are you living for Christ? You know, maybe you're here and you have mistakenly thought that this is about religion. Religion is, you know, what I do to earn God's approval. It's a long list of do's and don'ts. Listen, I'm not talking about any of that. None of that matters. I'm, t- I'm talking, do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with God through Christ? Have you come to him in faith? Do you know him? You could fill in that blank today, and, and today you could start saying, you know what, to me, for me, to live is Jesus. And one day when I die, it's all going to be okay. You can have that today. It's simply a matter of you coming to him in faith. It's just like those two people last Sunday who said, you know what, today's my day. I believe, I do put my faith in Christ. I'm coming to him. I'm asking for him to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin. And I want to begin that new relationship with him today. But if you're here today and you've, you, you are already a believer, you've made that decision, you know what? Sometimes we put other things in that blank, don't we? For me to live is my career. For me to live is, you know, seeking after this relationship. For me to live is, you know, whatever. We fill it in with all kind of stuff. But maybe today it's, it's time to be reminded that life is only going to make sense when I live for Christ. I live for him. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.